The sermon for this evening is from uh, the book of uh, the second book of Samuel, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 to 27. The sermon is entitled "Joyfully Lutheran: The Ninth and Tenth Commandments." Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I know when I was a child uh, there in Huntington Beach, I know when I was a good boy or when I read a good book or um, when I did a good deed, I know my mother would always uh, take me to this place. It wasn't Toys R Us, but it was this place called Toy City. Do you remember Toy City? (laughs) Maybe it was an Orange County thing. I don't know. But it, it dawned on me as I was going through this introduction of my sermon because there at Toy City, I would go there in Huntington Beach and and I would enter a world that every child would love. You know, toy aisle after toy aisle, and what a dream of it it was to be there uh, with, my mo- mo- with my mother. A-, a good memory for myself. But I think there was one toy that I always enjoyed, and I loved, I loved dominoes. I don't know if you loved dominoes when you were little. Not the game of dominoes, but when you, when you put the dominoes up, to see them topple over. And I, I would always love this toy called Domino Rally because you would always get all these dominoes and you would put them up on their legs and, and you would see them, uh, uh, you would always anticipate what it'll look like after you put these dominoes up. And after you had it all finished, you would push that first domino down. And what would happen? All the dominoes would follow and away they went. Each domino would topple one after another. Something fascinating about that, I know it's so simple, but for me as a kid, I remember, wow, how that all works together and how quickly it went, right? It's so interesting because once they fall, what happens? It never goes back. It's always falling forward. I remember a time when I was playing with dominoes, you'd always get halfway and those shaky fingers start getting a little more shaky and the dominoes fall and all that progress you'd see, all the dominoes would fall and you'd have to start over again, right? So dominoes falling down one after another. That's how it all works. And here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see David doing the same thing. The dominoes were falling down one after another. Now, reading, uh, as we read uh, Joyfully Lutheran uh, by Matthew Harrison, we very well know in this section, he says, Coveting the ever-present sin of the human heart, born of the illusion that joy can be found elsewhere than God himself. Lust is truly the root of all evil. Now, David in his life, the sin of covetousness brought these dominoes to fall. Definitely a killjoy in his life and all those around him. And we see in the book, in that chapter, we see uh, uh, President Harrison speak of how these dominoes would fall. And he lists all the commandments in which they fell. Right? First commandment. 
idolatry and lust for David. Second commandment, misusing God's name in this process. Third commandment, ignoring God's word and living a lie. Fourth commandment, in his authority, abusing it for his own advantage. Fifth commandment, of course, premeditated murder. Sixth commandment, sexual lust and adultery. Seventh commandment, the act of stealing someone's wife, Bathsheba from Uriah. Eighth commandment, initiating the web of lives. And there it all began from first to the ninth and tenth commandments, coveting a woman, seeing her that day on the rooftops, enticing her and falling to sin. That's how the dominoes work. Sin after sin, falling down one after another, lie after lie, all because of the, the covetous heart. The covetous heart, that there in that covetousness, we see the illusion that joy can be found elsewhere other than God. That is the danger, isn't it? Bathsheba, a beautiful woman, seeing her, coveting her, asking for her. She came, they laid together and conceived. There's enough dominoes there, isn't there? But the story didn't end there as we know. The dominoes kept falling down one after another. Uriah, here's a drink. Go to your wife and sleep with her just so I can cover up my sin of adultery. That didn't work. So David thought, I need to send Uriah out to the front line of war so that I can cover up my sin with Bathsheba. And there Uriah went as Joab gave him the directives given by David. And there he was at the front lines, seemingly dying a normal death in battle when yet again he was set up all by a lie, a deception by David. Looked like the plan worked, yet we know this was not the case. Adam and Eve, same story, same dominoes, same fall. They saw, they took, they ate, their eyes opened, and they realized what they had done. Lesson learned. The covetous heart rules over that flesh. The heart saying, I need no other God but myself. The flesh saying, I need more than what the Almighty One true God gives to me. The sin saying, my contentedness is found elsewhere other than God. That is the grave danger in this ninth and tenth commandment, also known as the gift God's gift of contentment. Now, we were last Sunday, right? In Luke. Take care and be on guard. Be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. The grave disease that infiltrates each and every one of our hearts. Your possessions are more important than God, or so they say. The abundance, how much you need. The idolatrous heart hungers time and time again. Now, this is the nature of sin. More, more, more. The, the, the need of abundance to find contentment in this world, all by the tempter himself, the devil. 
throwing all these temptations at you. But remember, it reads, take care and be on guard. Because that old Adam in us, that sinful nature, it continues to desire and covet for the contentment that wants to find this fulfillment in the flesh. The David, Bathsheba, Adam, and Eve, a reminder to us, a reminder how we covet the things that are not ours. Now Luther wrote in the large catechism, we must learn that God does not want you to deprive your neighbor of anything that is theirs so that they suffer loss while you satisfy your greed. See that? Greed. Sometimes we think it's all about ourselves, but there is someone who is affected by that, isn't there? And that is your neighbor. The covetous heart, so focused on everything for themselves that they care less about what is around them. They could care less about how it's depriving their neighbor and even more how we neglect to see our contentment that God gives to us. This is the danger. So take care. And be on guard, because covetousness can indeed destroy. And we see it in our world today, in our, in our country. We, we talk about uh, the corporate greed, right? The incessant need for more, more, and more. And this vicious cycle doesn't seem like it'll ever end. But even in our own lives, how we find greed to be our most grievous idol that continues to tempt and say, you need more than God. And we know the story of David. He, couldn't, he could hide it from the world, right? But he could not hide it from God. God sent David the prophet Nathan, as we see in the following chapter, to tell David that you are this man. You are the one who sinned. You are the one who took and who coveted and who took this wife and you must there repent. And David repented, and he was forgiven. And likewise, we cannot hide, can we? And thus we too repent and confess. And Harrison writes a great word here about confessing our sins, and it reads like this. I confess to you, my God, that I am fully aware of this fire of lust, and coveting that burns in my own heart and how dangerous it is. Too often I've indulged in it and even allowed it to break into the flames of evil thoughts, words, and deed. If the great prophet David could not resist lust, O Lord, what of me, a horrid worm that I am. Indeed, our covetousness is our great danger. But there is Jesus, as we know. His covetousness is exactly the opposite of our covetousness. Because his covetousness is for you. He came not to be served, but to serve as a ransom for many. 
His covetousness was never about him, his own agenda, his own self-interest, his own selfishness, his own welfare. What he longed for, what he loved, what he coveted was and is you. The word made flesh says it all. The measure in which Jesus took because, well, even through our own covetousness, through our own sin that deserve nothing but eternal condemnation. It is our Lord by His deepest love and compassion for you that He came to be flesh, the one who knew no sin but became sin for you. The only way was His own life, His own sacrifice, that God loves you so much that He sent you His Son, our Savior. He doesn't desert you. He doesn't abandon you, but through his love, he makes you his own. Jesus, the cross, where there he takes upon our own covetousness, our greed, our sin. He carries every, every sorrow and grief to that cross, every guilt and transgression to the very cross, every sin and every iniquity, every lust to that very cross. Jesus, who in his great compassion and love for you, gives you his own life to the point of sacrifice. And just as Nathan absolves David of his sin, the Lord has put away your sin, he says. And you shall not die, Nathan says. It is our Lord who delivers you the very same words. At the cross, the blood shed, putting away your sin, Jesus does, putting away death for you, Jesus does, putting away and throwing down the devil, Jesus does. Finishing it all, all by way of the resurrection, Jesus does for you. And though the old man in us, the sinful nature that we still battle to this very day and for those days ahead, it is in these commandments that we are always pointed to Christ. Because we are sinners in need of our good Savior who answers the very call by the good news, the sweet news, the forgiveness of sins, where you are made to be His own to life everlasting. See, just as those dominoes fell when I was a kid, I very well knew that it would never be able to, to be picked up again. It seemed that these dominoes would fall and be like, well, I guess we just have to start over and make a new design. And I think with our sin as well, you know, when we fall short, we know what we have done. And it seems like there is no hope. There is no resolve. There is no restoring or no making new, no hope at all. But in our failures, in our sin, again, there is Jesus who picks up all the pieces by bearing them on the cross. This is your gift of contentment. Remember that. You don't have to search. It has been given to you all by his grace. Not as the world gives, but as Christ gives for you. 
Your true and lasting contentment is Jesus. Contentment that is his body and blood for you. Contentment, his death and resurrection for you. Contentment, your baptism. Contentment as you feed on the supper of our Lord. While we search and search and search, there in the still water, there in the green pasture, there we find our Good Shepherd, our true and everlasting contentment. And this contentment is yours. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Sermon from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.